Welcome to the Talking Story Podcast, where we believe all of us can have a more purposeful and meaningful, and yes, an even more exciting life. Listen in to inspiring stories about ordinary people who have done extraordinary things with their lives, through their hobbies, their passions, and their businesses. Join your hosts, father and daughter team, Bob and Kelsey, as they travel the world seeking out those whose stories inspire us to do things greater than what we imagined we could. Well, Kelsey, unlike your 10 years of living on the Big Island, as you know, and now our listeners will know, uh, your mom and I have been here just a little over a year, and it has been an incredibly good move for us. We are so pleased. We love the Big Island. We love Hawaii. Its natural beauty is incredible. But there are a few things about this island uh, that the more I'm on that are a bit frustrating, disappointing. And one of those, this podcast today underscores with some solutions. Uh, One of my frustrations with the Big Island is that there is a lot of litter on this island, as you know. I mean, um, tin cans and plastic and paper and cups and people discard automobiles along the side and pull the license plates off and just take off. And I'm just thinking, with an island that's geared a lot toward tourism, you would have thought that back in the 50s or 60s or 70s that there would have been an incredible movement among educators to bring up the young kids, the keiki, uh, with the idea that uh, littering is a bad thing and uh, we need to do all that we can to keep this island as pristine as possible. But apparently that message hasn't gotten out very well. And not only is that litter and I know it's a global problem, but is it not, not only is it unsightly, but as Maddie May points out in this podcast, uh, it can be very dangerous for some of the wildlife that is very near and dear both of us. Uh, it endangers turtles. It endangers dolphins. Uh, whales get trapped up in plastic netting and uh, turtles eat plastic bags that look like they're food and and uh, and and all that is disconcerting but what's on the other side of the coin is that there are people uh, that are doing things about it uh, I have seen many a beach cleanup day advertised in the paper and in fact just today out jogging I saw probably five or six people in a cleanup project in an island in the middle of a road. They were just all out there and they were picking up things, trying to make it better. Um, And there are people that are picking up plastic. And Maddie is not only picking it up, she's doing something pretty fantastic with it and uh, and something in creating beauty out of trash. She doesn't like the word trash, but in many ways, that's exactly what it is. Um, beauty out of things that uh, are are just to be discarded. You had a chance to meet with her over in Hilo. And Kelsey, uh, I know a lot of your perspective are going to come through your questions. But before we get to your question, what was one of the standout things as you look back and say, huh, 
This is something I really am learning uh, more and more, even talking uh, to Maddie May. Yeah, well, I um, that's a that's a loaded question there because she just shares a lot of her heart, and I think there's a lot of lessons to be learned from her. And uh, she's been doing this since she was a little girl, and her heart's been like this, uh, helping repurpose and recycle and reduce pollution and trash since she was little. And so she's just still following her heartbeat. And I love uh, the fact that you know, again, we stress the ordinary people doing extraordinary things and we're not out there trying to ring their bell. Uh, you know, she's going to be the first to tell us in the podcast that she has been a bartender for many, many years and then decided to kind of jump ship and take a chance and go full time in this heartbeat of hers. And that is uh, making beautiful products out of, like you said, trash. Uh, what I really gets me excited is she's our first big island gal that we've interviewed. So we've been traveling the world, you know, Kenya, Bali, Nashville, Tennessee, uh, China. We've talked to so many people, but as Moi Moi has developed, I've been really hoping and praying to find someone locally that has this heartbeat about addressing a problem with a cool solution. And again, plastics and trash are definitely a problem. You alluded to it's a global issue, and for sure it is. But the fact is that she's not, oh my gosh, this is horrible, and it's killing turtles, And but she's providing a solution to this problem. So that's what I'm excited. I'm really stoked that you as listeners get to join us in our conversation. So just grab a cup of coffee, uh, have a seat, just feel like you are in front of Maddie Mae right now, because I think she has so much to share, and I really hope you walk away being truly inspired like I was. Welcome to the Talking Story Podcast, where we are with Maddie Mae today in the beautiful, sunny, believe it or not, it's sunny today in sunny Hilo. Sunny and snowy. And snowy. There's <laughs> snow on the mountain, which we've talked about earlier about the beauty of Big Island. But um, I'm so excited to be here and just, wow, what you're doing here to help with the issues of plastics. You know, this is the first time that Moi Moi Market has really started to investigate I mean, we know plastic's an issue. We've talked about that on our podcast. I'm a boat captain. I've seen turtles develop bubble butts where they can't dive down and they just stay at the surface because they've ingested plastic that looks so much like their food source. And, you know, people can laugh about the word bubble butt, but guys, this is an issue and it's happening in our oceans. It's affecting our sea life. It's affecting our planet. And so, Maddie, you alluded to when I first met you that this whole thing that you're doing with Upcycle Hawaii really began at an early age. Can you kind of dive into that for us? Yeah, well, you know, I like to tell people I was a born creative. Um, so a lot of people ask, how do I do it? Where does it come from? And it's totally cliche, but I do say that it, it flows through me. So, so just wanting to make things has been something that's always been a part of me. And then um, I grew up on the Big Island, so I grew up rich in natural resources, but I grew up um, a little bit subpar when it came to actual personal resources. And I always wanted to make things. So I had to get really um, creative at a really young age when it came to 
looking around the world uh, right at my fingertips and what was there that I could use to make something out of. And in a lot of cases, it meant going into the scrap wood pile or going into my dad's old construction bins or quite frankly, looking into the trash can and seeing what we might be throwing away. And if mom had an old junk pair of jeans, then they were ripe for me to make quilt squares out of or something Aww. like that. So, so yeah, repurposing has been just something I feel like it's always been a part of me, both of means, but also because I think it's fun to transform something that somebody didn't look at into something that they want to look at. I think that's such a cool thing. So were parents at all influencing you at this time about repurposing or was it really just feeling that need oh, of? No, my, my mom and dad were a total inspiration. My mom and dad were very scrappy. They okay. raised three kids on the big island with very meager means. Oh. And my mom was a stay at home mom. So, I mean, if we had a hole in our socks or a hole in our jeans, um, my mom knew how to make that into a nice little heart patch. And, mm. um, and my dad, you know, knew how to build something out of just the resources that we had in the garage. Yeah. And so it really, and I lived in a neighborhood that was really self-sufficient, a lot of farmers. Yeah. And so people got creative in order to keep their fences uh, built and things like that. So I, I feel really blessed to have grown up in a community where there was a lot of examples of really creative um, reuse. And, you know, on the Big Island, especially 30 years ago or so, we didn't have the resources coming in that we also had. We didn't have a Walmart. We literally did not have a Costco. So we had to build a lot of the things that we needed. Wow. That's awesome. And by the way, you're not born and raised Big Island. You're from Alaska, which you yes, just told yes. me. I was bred in Alaska, bred like I like to say. It. I love that. <laughs> but then you have you pretty much have lived your entire life here on the Big Island. Yes, so. it was around my my two year old birthday, I think, that my parents took what I like to call a permanent vacation uh, to the Big Island, and I thank them every day um, for allowing me to have grown up in truly such a magical place. Well, it sounds like the parental influence was huge, and just in many ways from them deciding to be here and just how they brought you up. And I think that's, there's a lot of power in parenting at an yes. early age and that we are tools, whether we're parents or aunties, that we can really start instilling in our young people and our cakey about these issues and not to, you know, we live in such a Western world and mindset of, oh, if a sock has a hole in it, we're just going to throw it away. Worse yet, if your shirt loses a button, people don't realize that buttons are replaceable. Yeah. You know, it's yeah. crazy. It is crazy. And yeah. it's just more and more trash, more and more trash. So obviously you've seen the issues now of trash. So what made you take your upbringing and kind of that, hey, I'm going to be scrappy here and figure out how to make things to where you're like, I'm going to start a business. Well, you know, to be honest, I've I've always, since I was a kid, wanted to be, I've been an entrepreneur my whole life. I just never thought I could be an entrepreneur, if that makes sense. Um, I felt like uh, being a business owner was out of reach for so many reasons. And then I started my first farmer's market. I took some of my little handmade upcycled goods um, to a market in November of 2014. And it was really the response of the people. People were like, this is awesome. And they bought stuff and they wanted me to keep making things. And I wasn't on social media or anything yet. So just the personal feedback from friends and family and people of my community literally were what kept me coming back to the farmer's markets developing new products. And it's the fact that people kept liking and buying um, that really kept lighting our fire and brought us to a brick and mortar studio uh, that we're in today. So it, it does take a community. And I would not be here if it wasn't for people telling me you're onto something. Keep going. Now, they all didn't say that. 
<laughs> no, I, I could believe that. It's but, hard. Yes. But the ones who did looked me in the eye and I could tell that they meant it. And um, and to be honest, I kind of thought I was onto something too. And I wanted to pursue it and see where it could go. That's so cool. I want to go back because you said you've kind of always been entrepreneurial. Yes, at heart. yes, yes, yes. And But there is a lot of people listening can also say the same thing. I feel like I'm an entrepreneur and I want to explore this, but it's that making the jump from wanting something to showing up at a farmer's market. Can you maybe describe one uh, thing that was kind of holding you back? You know, if there's a fear or something in your life that you were trying to, you know, that was kind of keeping you until you were like, hey, I'm going to take this leap of faith. Yeah, you know, I, I, it was a fear and I, I think it was the, the fear of failure, right? It's the fear that we all have. Um, I, I'll never forget, I was on a waiting list for this specific market and, um, they called me and told me that I had cleared the waiting list and, well, they emailed me and my initial reaction, because I had like just a couple of items and I didn't have these great signs and I didn't have a professional display. My initial reply on email was, no, I'm not ready. And then I looked in the mirror and I told myself, if you're giving yourself an excuse out this time, then you're going to have an excuse next time. And you have to, you have to just jump in with both feet. And that was when the real definition of the word entrepreneur kind of like was understood because it's a, it's the definition is being a risk taker, right? And it's, it's risky to go out there. And to be honest, I look back at a picture of my first farmer's market and I'm just like a little bit embarrassed and ashamed. But had I not done that, there's no way I would have come to today. So it's, it's the feel of fear of failure, but also it's that old cheesy saying where you don't regret the things that you do. You regret the things you don't do. And I'm very fortunate that here, five years later, I, I don't have any regrets, at least for the last five years. <laughs> so crazy. And we're here we are in 2020, a brand new decade for us. And speaking yeah. of new decade, here we are in your studio. And I just kind of got the whole tour from you, which by the way, thank you. <laughs> and you started off by showing me bins of tr what I would consider trash. And yes. so can you tell me a little bit about where that trash comes from and yes, that how yes. you can see that trash where I'm like, oh, and you see a potentially beautiful product. Yeah, totally. Um, well, we are being inundated with um, donations from our from local people, from our friends and family and community members and quite frankly, strangers who feel like they're tired of being a part of the problem and, you know, really want to be a part of the solution. Um, I'll be completely honest and back in whatever year that was when we enacted the plastic bag ban here on the Big Island. I had a moment of actually thinking I might run out of material because I was looking at the front end of plastic bags in grocery stores. Oh, interesting. Things that were like right in your face. And then I kind of was looking in the back of a Costco one day and went, oh, wait a second, there's all this plastic in the back that we don't think about. And so it inspired me to, to really kind of play around and experiment. Um, I like to tell people I'm a half mad scientist, half artist, because it really takes dabbling with these materials and doing some real kind of scientific um, experiments to see what these plastics um, are capable of being transformed into. Um, but once the test went, um, okay, we knew that we were on to something. And now we actually have open studio hours twice a week where we allow members of the community to come in and, and donate us materials. But we also work directly with a lot of businesses now. Um, you know, as you can imagine, if you're in the retail business or if you're a grocery store, um, there is a lot of plastic in, in the back uh, warehouse that never even makes it into the public eye. And so I've been really surprised by the amount of companies that are willing to work with us um, to help 
help divert some of that material. And when it comes to plastics, we're not doing anything hard or rigid like bottle caps or yogurt containers yet. We do have plans in the future. I like the word yet. Um, yes. yes. There's all, you know, the possibilities are literally endless. So is the plastic. Um, uh, but we're working with those thin sheet plastics. What a lot of people don't realize is there's really no big um, international uh, recycling economy for sheet plastics. They have to be physically manipulated. There's no real mechanical processes that break these down. Um, like they can't be shred other than by hand. So one of the reasons we targeted that in the first place was because we knew it was a material that was literally ending up on our landfills. And it was an immediate thing that we could, um, that we could, you know, jump onto to try to make a difference. And you can actually see from where you're sitting on our whiteboard here, we have our plastic diversion totals. And oh, um, yeah. we're sitting here on uh, March 1st or March 2nd. And um, we just posted that in February, we diverted over 2,000 square feet of plastics weighing in at over 14 pounds. And so we started in farmer's markets in 2014. We started keeping track of our diversion in 2018 and we're over 12,000 square feet saved from local landfills um, in just the two years that we've been keeping track. And so it's super exciting to be able to put those numbers up on the wall every month. Um, and we can actually look at our community and be like, this is also you guys. This is material that you're helping us save from local landfills. Um, and so, yeah, although we're swimming in plastics, we're still putting a good dent um, into the, the local landfills. And uh, data is really important for us. Um, I think it's important to share the actual metrics of what we're able to do and have an impact. And although it's only 14 pounds, um, you know what? It's it's a step in the right direction. So. Well, let's just say 14 pounds. And you are like a one-woman operation, although you do bring in some employees. Yes. It's not like you just have a, you know huge factory yet. Again, we're going to use the word yet yes, because yeah. that's where the dream is and the scaling is going to happen with this. I, I totally believe it. But that right there just gives you a reason to get out of bed every morning. Yeah, I can it really see does. the purpose behind that. Like that's huge. Yeah. And that's yeah. awesome. And, it, and now it's like this benchmark to be like, can, can we beat that next month? And can we beat that the next month? And and so, um, so yeah, we're excited. And it, and some days when I don't want to sew, it really is looking at that number. It's like, okay, I want that number to go higher. <laughs> you know, you need to see the numbers and the data yeah. is a, data is really important. So that's really yeah. cool. I did not notice that earlier when I walked in, but very, very cool. So we're excited to track with you to see how those numbers grow. Um, so going back, so you have these bins of plastic and then you walked me to a room. You called it the melting room. The melting room. Yes. And, uh, by the way, you have bins still of, like you said, manually. Not, not a machine that people are manually shredding this plastic and it's labeled like toilet paper. So the Costco toilet paper that is in itself wrapped in plastic. And then when it's shipped, it's also saran wrapped in plastic. So it's so cool that these businesses have looked at, um, helping you in a sense. I mean, it's, it's horrible. It's going to go to a landfill or it's going to go to you and it needs to go to you because you're making these amazing products out of it. So you're manually shredding and then it goes into, the melting machine. Can you yes. describe a little bit about the melting that happens? Well, you know, I started this business with an iron and doing it all um, with an old school iron by hand. And very quickly when our orders started to scale up, um, my little shoulders couldn't take it anymore. And so we've taken um, basically heat presses and manipulated them to be able to um, melt our plastics. And, you know, we work with only number twos and number fours and number fives, what we consider what are the safe plastics um, to bring up to a safe temperature and we just build up layer by layer by layer and um, you know sometimes it takes 
six to eight layers to make something. And sometimes it takes 30 to 40 layers, depending on what the actual um, end product is going to be. So a bookmark is going to end up being a lot thinner than an earring. Um, and then a, a, a pouch is going to be likely your thinnest plastic of them all. So, so you know, every plastic um, has its own. We have to sit down if we get a new plastic in and figure out, okay, how many layers is this one going to take? And, and what temperature do we bring this one to? Um, but for me, that's kind of the fun in it. If, if everything was the same every day, um, I think I'd get a little bit bored with what we do. Um, and then, like you said, if we get all of a sudden we see a rash of, um, you know, some sort of bread bag come in and it's a fun, colorful bread bag, um, then we get a whole new color scheme that we get to shred down and, and see what happens. So the inventory is always fresh um, simply because of the what's bringing brought into the studio, you know, or, or what washes on shore as far as the marine debris we use. It's always continually changing. So five years ago at the farmer's market, what were the initial products you started with? So it, it, it wasn't plastic. We didn't have a plastic thing on the bench, believe it or not. I mean, we were playing with plastics, but I was taught to crochet by my grandmother um, at like eight or nine years old. And as a bartender for several years, I was inundated with aluminum pop tabs. And so my first products were actually um, kind of a result of being a bartender. I was crocheting pouches and bags out of aluminum pop tabs. And then I was making little um, bottle cap magnets, um, you know, with little scenes of Hawaii on them for the locals to take home. And so, I mean, I think that was literally it. I had some of my crocheted purses and a couple of bottle cap magnets. And that's what I showed up to my first farmer's market with. And, you know, really the, the, what I learned through the first two and a half years of farmer's market was invaluable. I learned what price points worked and what didn't. I learned what was worth staying up to midnight to make and what wasn't. And I learned that my aluminum pop tad purses for as amazing as they are, they're, they're not scalable. And I really want to create something that doesn't, I don't want to create a business that doesn't stop growing because I don't think that's a sustainable thing, but I do want to create something that does have the potential to grow into a larger business, employ more people and, um, keep more materials out of our landfill in a creative, um, way and change the way people look at, you know, municipal solid waste. Cause you know, it's boring when you call it that, but when you call it res- resources and potential, you know, then, then, then amazing things happen. Oh, that's so cool. I love that. Well, talk, tell me a little bit. We're going to go back to your um, melting room because we talked about the plastics that come off our toilet paper and the saran wrap, but you also have marine rope. And yes, this yes. is near and dear to my heart because as our listeners know, I'm a boat captain out in Puaco and we are just finishing up our humpback whale season. And every year our humpback whales come to Hawaii entangled. And we're so thankful that we have groups of people um, that go out and disentangle whales. Um, But some of the whales we don't get to. And they end up dying because of what we purposely or accidentally put in our waters. And you were talking about, as a little girl and even today, going down to the south end of the big island, which has some major currents down there. And a lot of the trash gets swept up on the shoreline just between South Point and Green Sand Beach. And it's a beautiful area, but as you're walking, it's overwhelming to just see the issues of not only just the plastics, but also the ropes that are plastic as well. So can you tell 
us a little bit about where that started for you, where you're not just taking the toilet paper, but now you're taking the marine debris. Yes, totally. Um, I'm in a unique position where I've actually been visiting the southern point of the island and, and these areas where the marine debris massively accumulates since I was a young child, um, most before 10 years old when I made my first trips down there. And literally, we would play what we called King of the Plastic Mountain as children running up and down these piles of plastic trash. And I can fully admit that it didn't seem wrong to me at the time. It, it seemed normal and nobody pointed out you know, how wrong it was. And then several years later, I was actually in my environmental science class um, in college and we were studying marine debris and exactly what you're talking about. And it hit me that that was not a normal thing, that it was my responsibility and that it was not just that, it was happening in my home. And so when I moved back to the Big Island, it was really important for me to get active in the beach cleanup and marine debris removals. And one of the things um, that I was uh, pursued upon quitting full-time employment and and doing Upcycle Hawaii full-time was to get more active in volunteering. And we're very fortunate to have a local nonprofit known um, as Hawaii Wildlife Fund that's kind of the leader in the marine debris removals down on the southern point of the island. Um, they have a, a truck with a winch. And we can remove thousands of pounds of marine debris ropes in one single sitting. So yeah, we'll talk about saving a couple of whales at, at once. And um, so I began doing this work with them on a regular basis. I also have a four by four truck, which gives me access to these areas. Because as you know, but what a lot of people don't know is that this massive marine debris accumulates on shores in areas that it takes an hour and a half of off-roading to get to. So they're very, very remote places um, around the world where where these these uh, gyres spit up all of this trash. And, um, you know, I'm pulling all of this stuff off the beach. And as you know, a lot of the plastic is unidentifiable and it's dirty and I couldn't really see a whole lot of upcycling happening with the plastic and the ropes were just so beautiful to me there's so many colors and they're they're polyesters and nylons and polypropylenes um they're plastics I'm familiar with and full disclosure, um, the melted marine debris was actually something that somebody tossed out to me on Instagram. Um, I posted something about how every rope has a colorful um, inside, like the opposite of every cloud has a silver lining or something. And one of my followers on Instagram said, you should melt some of that rope. And this was maybe four or five years ago. And I couldn't run to the marine debris fast enough and started playing around. And uh, it has blossomed into one of our best selling um, product lines. And more importantly, has really given us um, a forum to talk about and highlight a problem that even people that live here um, aren't fully aware of how impacted um, we are. You know, I, I had to clean up probably about a year ago, a, a net removal where there was a huge mass of nets that was stuck in a surge, you know, right around the shoreline, just dancing and doing the hula, like I call it. And there were two turtles that were within yards of this net bundle that had surfaced and there was nothing we could do. Um, you know, it was out of our reach. As you know, the South Point is a very rough ocean and lots very of cliffs. Rough. And it was really hard to drive away from something like that. Um, I, it, you know, to, to fully be able to see firsthand what was likely to have really, really devastating results. Um, you know, and so I know that my little teeny incy bit of marine debris that we melt is not making a huge difference as far as, um, diversion from the landfill, but it's, it's at the very least, um, bringing a, a topic to conversation that a lot of us aren't talking about. 
And, you know, we talk about straws and um, water bottles, but really what we eat and how we eat um, and knowing where our, our seafood and things like that come from are, are just as important, if not more important, um, than thinking about the single-use plastics that we utilize every day. Um, you know, you, you mentioned earlier how basically the plastics are in our food chain. Um, it's, it's now, it's, it's a really big deal. There's so much of it in the ocean. Um, but, you know, we don't really uh, talk about, oh, shit, I think I forgot my train of thought. Okay, keep going, uh, keep going. Um, good. But yeah, no, I mean, um, no, I think I need some water too. Going back into it, it's like, it, we're just, you and I have been talking about the importance of being a conscious consumer, yeah, yeah, right? Yeah, and yeah. so not only is it, you know, being aware of, what's the packaging and what we're doing with the packaging, but it's taking a step into just really understanding where do our things come from? How right. does it affect the animals? How does it affect people? And I think it's just having an awareness nowadays that it's really important for all of us to just take a stance and go, we need to start doing something about it. You and I were talking earlier about the power of our dollar. You know, we vote by our dollar. We get so frustrated. Why are there so many plastics? And this is an issue and it needs to stop. And it's like, hello, if we buy that plastic water bottle, we're just asking that company, oh, you need to refill that spot. Yeah. You know, it's funny because we always talk about blame the blame the business and oh my gosh, Coca-Cola and Nestle and Aquafina and blah, blah, blah. You know, but I think a really great example is, I don't know if you remember, but several years ago, Sunchips, the company came out with a new bag and it was an eco-friendly bag. And I don't know if it was biodegradable or what the science behind it was, because this was actually pre the, the conscientiousness that we have now. And the bag was very noisy. It was much noisier than their original packaging. And I will never forget that all of these people went on, I guess, social media and the internet and complained to Sunchips that the bag was too loud. And because Sunchips got so many complaints that the bag was too loud, they went back to their original packaging. And so we have more power as a consumer than we give ourselves credit for. And we, you know, I guess I think that's a great example of a company that even before the pressures were there was trying to do something right. And simply something being too loud, a snack food being too loud. We're sometimes so concerned about our comforts, you know, and that's what we are voting accordingly and not not necessarily understanding that's how we're voting but it's oh this is convenient for me right now I'm thirsty oh I don't like the noise level and instead we really need to start shifting that sometimes it may mean that we're a little bit more uncomfortable maybe we got to deal with a little bit more noise maybe we need to remember to bring our reusable water bottle but there is something that um, in order to really start changing the world how we want to see the world it's going to require sacrifice totally. and that is going to ask us to be maybe a little bit more uncomfortable every now and then. Yeah. Um, yeah. But, but, you know, when you think about it, the history of plastics is very short. Um, plastics were literally invented in the 1940s and weren't really produced on a wide scale until the 50s and, and, and honestly the 60s were when they first came out. So when you think about it, it's been, you know, I guess it has it's been 40, it's been 60 years, but in 60 years, we've done all of this in 60 years. It's, we can, I mean, 60 more years, we can do amazing things. So I like to remind people that, you know, this is, we filled the ocean with plastics in 60 years. I mean, we, we really now have the skills and the, the knowledge and the industry and the industries to, to make rapid change. And so, um, you know, it's like, wait a second, this, this isn't something that's entrenched in our history. It's not concrete. It's something that we fully can change. And remember, I mean, 
even when I was a kid living on the big island before Walmart and Kmart, things came in glass. And, you know, and we we brought it and, you know, replaced things. And and so, you know, these are habits that we've really developed in a short period of time in, as human beings. And so it's not going to take us all that long in order to train ourselves out of them. So I love that. And it starts with the parenting. It starts yes. with being an auntie. It starts with raising up our kiddos too yes, in yes. order to recognize that this is an issue, but we have the power to do something. Yes. Well, guys, I think we all have the power to do something. Something. And that's why I and Moi Moi Market was so drawn to Upcycle Hawaii because it allows us to be a part of the change. And not only do you have beautiful products, which oh, we want to trash talk- treasure. They are. They're amazing. <laughs> I love it. We're going to be selling them on Moi Moi Market. I know you have a website. You have a lot of places that also sell your products here on the Big Island. You're heading to Japan soon. I know. It's so exciting. exciting. Yeah. Um, but can you kind of... Help tell me as well as our listener, how can we be a part of it? You kind of said, you know, hey, we're, you know, we barely are making a dent in our landfill, but you're doing something. Yes, totally. And that's what's so awesome about you and this company. But how can we be a part of that with you? Well, I mean, I mean, the easy part is you can go and see how to donate plastics, but you know, really, I like to say, put us out of business. Um, you know, I think the strongest thing is that we do vote with our dollar. And a lot of people don't understand that when you go to a grocery store and you buy something that comes in a single-use plastic container, um, there you're telling that company that you want that item to be replaced. And so we are literally given dozens of opportunities every day to make choices that may put us outside our comfort zone, like you say, um, that are, are part of the solution. Um, and and, you know, as, as far as helping upcycle Hawaii is concerned, um, you know, it, we can you can shop for our stuff online and you can so really support the stores that we sell in because the coolest thing for us is to be able to sell our product to um, one of our retailers who can then support their employees and their store. Um, and so that's been a really fun development for us. It's fun for us to make money, but it's really cool when we can support our fellow communities um, through that. So I, I actually do tell people, go shop, you know, at Moi Moi Market if you want to get our stuff because <laughs> um, because then you're supporting both of us. Um, but but making those hard decisions, um, you know, we bringing your own bags and, you um, Eating locally, I, I don't think we talk about this one um, as much, but, you know, everything that has to be shipped to Hawaii, everything that's grown away from Hawaii, all these things take more resources. And so anytime that we can shop locally and go to a farmer's market or, or get meat or fish that we know the resource from, um, then, you know, you're just being connected to your food and to your community. Um, you know, it's I think that's the biggest thing that we can do. Uh, you know, seeing, bringing your own refillable water bottle is, is absolutely great. Um, but anytime you can, you can eat or drink closer to home, um, and just be connected with your community. You know, we have local soap makers and candle makers and beef growers and strawberry growers. And so we really should be seeking things from our local communities, um, before we seek them outwardly, because that's going to reduce shipping. It's going to reduce waste. Um, and it's going to get us the freshest end products really. I love that. I love the takeaways there. Thank you. And I love expanding that where, yeah, Upcycle Hawaii is a great, powerful tool of how we can participate, but there's just daily things on in our daily yeah. lives that we can do. I mean, as you've seen, Kelsey, I am not running out of plastic <laughs> anytime soon. And as you've also seen, I have plans for other materials. I love so that. if we run out of plastic, then we will just focus more on our rubber. And then if not, we'll dive into the wetsuits, no pun intended. So, I mean, there's really no lack of materials that are being underappreciated and overlooked. Um, and, and so we challenge you all to, um, you know, to make it so that we're not overwhelmed with plastic packaging. Well, it's interesting. You're the first person that has told me that 
they actually want to be like go out of business because there's no more plastics. And I thought everything that Moy Moy Market brings in and all the brands that we support, I think all the founders would say the same thing is ideally they want to go out of business yeah. because they don't want the issues of sexual exploitation. They don't want the issues of plastic. They don't want the issues that people don't have clean water. Like, Believe I just, it or not, I'd rather focus my energies elsewhere. I have got other things I want to do yeah, in my life. I just It just was like a mind blown. And I was like, can we just do a mic drop right now? Because like that to me was so powerful in the fact that in all reality, I mean, you guys do this because you're passionate about the issue. And you have other things you would love to do and tackle and dreams. But right now this is at hand. And uh, I think it's really cool for our listeners that you can go to Moy Moy Market. I love that. Thank you. But there's a lot of other stores that do sell your products. Can, is there a list on your website? I, I have a list on my Instagram. Can I shout out a couple yes, of my favorites? please. I always have to shout out Elements up in Javi. Not only does she have the best selection of up, upcycle Hawaii stuff um, out there, but she was the first wholesale account to take a chance on me and told me she wanted to sell my stuff and forced me to really figure out if I could be a business um, on that level. And um, and then you can find our stuff at both the Puna Chocolate Companies, Pueo Boutique on the Big Island. I love Pueo. Pueo Boutique. We actually do some custom Pueo bags. Aww. You can go get your fused plastic pouch with a custom Pueo they on it. journals. Yes. See. Aww, exactly. Thanks, Amy. See, see, we all we love Amy, and so so those are those are the most important for me to shout out here because there are local Big Island retailers, um, and they're they're ones that um, you know really support us on more levels um, because of uh, what we do. But if you go to our Instagram, and if I forgot you, I'm sorry. We do love you all. It's just hard to keep track of. Right, we're short on time. Well, to give that as an excuse, we're short on time. So. Yes, totally. Um, but okay, we're gonna end here because um, I think again, you guys go and support Upcycle Hawaii, and what Maddie May is doing is absolutely incredible. And I think the power of the story behind the product, where you can pull out one of your um, the I, I call them satchels, but you call them like bags or we call them pouches. Pouches. I mean, you think we'd be more we'd be more creative with our naming. Dry but, bags. Uh, I don't out of creativity in the pouch creation. Well, I love it. As you were kind of you know in a <laughs> way pitch, bags. Yes, bags. pitching yes, it yes. to me, I'm like they could be dry bags. They can be. There's little, like small little ones that we're going to be selling. I forgot to tell you, I keep dog treats in one of the bags. Oh, that's so smart. Um, yeah, and they know, come with a little um. Little carabiner clip. Yes, and I love that. So you can hook it on if you're taking your dog for a walk and need the treats. You can hook it onto your purse. You can hook it onto a beach I'm, bag. I'm a functional human being and I am an active human being. And so one of the reasons I started making pouches actually in the first place was because I was breaking all of the pouches I was buying because they weren't living up to my lifestyle. And I can clip a fused plastic pouch to my side and go remove marine debris from the beach. And um, it may get a little dirty, but it's still Ooh, going strong. I like that. That's awesome. Yeah. Awesome. And I, I think just the quality, because even with Shimmy Bracelets, who we support, the reason she makes her bracelet is because she's like, I can make it a little bit cheaper, but it's just going to go back into the landfill faster. So I'm going to make a quality product that's going to last a long time. It's waterproof. It's sustainable. And that's exactly what you guys have here at Upcycle Hawaii. And the wallets that we're going to soon to carry, we have little um, Hawaii keychains, like all of this. But it's not just a, oh, it's a souvenir, but you guys are going to be able to to tell your friends and family the story and talk about the issues, but also provide the hope that we all can be participants of the solution and not the problem. Totally. Totally. So, I mean, we, we're not kidding ourselves. We know we just sell quote unquote stuff. Um, but you know what? Um, at the very least, like you said, it's starting a conversation, it's spreading the fire and it's igniting inside people the idea that we can create something with 
nothing, you know, and, and I'm on a mission to actually get rid of the word trash because I think we've, we've lived in such a throwaway society. We've started to treat ourselves and our um, community members that way. So if we can um, start to look at materials with more value, I think that's only going to trend upwards and we'll start treating each other and our community members with more value. I love it. I love it. Maddie, I just want to, you, you, you do this obviously, but you also consult at the same time. So people, you know, we talked a little bit about where they can find you as a yes. business, if they want to reach out to you for... Well, we started doing school field trips, um, and we it's really important um, as somebody who's a result of my community that educated me growing up to give back. Um, so you can also reach out to us to talk about a way that we can get participated or we can help out with your class or your school. Um, so yeah, we, we, you know, if you just, um, reach out if you have questions and, um, I give very honest answers. So if my answer is no, I will answer you, but I'll tell you no. So, you know, it never hurts to ask. And so we are open for communication. Just may take a few days for us to get back to you. (laughs) And volunteers, are you always, are you looking for volunteers? Yes, I mean, there's, um, we would love to have people come down and get involved in the studio. Um, we now have a air conditioned studio with a view of Mount Achaea. So it's a nice place to spend some time. So yes, we, we we're all always seeking volunteers. Um, our best volunteers are on vacation right now. And so, um, so yeah, we've got some gaps to fill. And, and also I do still work with Hawaii Wildlife Fund. So if people are interested in getting involved with beach cleanups, um, I can point them in the right direction there. So awesome. And then yeah. for those, we have listeners from abroad and, uh, if they can't be here and they love what you're doing and maybe they do purchase a pro- product, maybe they don't, but they just want to maybe just give because they really love the, the purpose and the intent behind Upcycle Hawaii. Do you guys accept donations as well? We do accept donations. We actually do have an active GoFundMe um, account or GoFundMe open. And that's simply because we wanted to have a place for people that asked us, um, you know, if they wanted to take donations. And um, you can just find us so easy. Google us, Upcycle Hawaii, and we're UpcycleHI.com. Um, but yeah, I mean, we'll, we take um, plastic donations, time donations, love donations, and of course, money donations. Awesome. 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 Maddie, <laughs> Anyway, thank you so much for your time. And uh, we just wish you guys the best. We know you're going to do amazing things. It's well, just going to continue to grow and scale. No, thank you, Kelsey. We're excited um, to take Moi Moi Market into the future of upcycling. She's such a cool gal. She oh my gosh. absolutely sounds like it. Yeah, I uh, just reflecting and listening back to our interview, I just... It's so cool doing this podcast because I get to like listen to the interview twice. So yeah. not only do we or I or you uh, talk to the person initially, but then oftentimes we re-listen yep. and yep. it's like, oh my gosh, we get to just hear things that maybe didn't sink in the first time. So even as listeners, like don't just listen to these podcasts one time. Sometimes maybe go over, listen to them again because you'll glean more. It's like watching a movie. Yeah, and you'll always know of someone that a certain podcast is going to resonate with in a big, big way. So for those environmentally conscious uh, individuals out there who are uh, doing all they can to save the planet and just love to hear stories about others that are doing similar, this might be one that you just send a link to and send a you know, put it on your social media, put it on Facebook and say, okay, if you're, you know, it's a good, it's a good way to get, because again, um, if, if it's about sex trafficking, for instance, you know, you might know people who are really, really interested in that and, and you send uh, different people, but this one is more about the environment. And that's really, uh, when I was listening, you know, I come from a generation that 
a lot of the problems that we have today with uh, single-use products, you know, came from people in our generation who were looking for quick and easy and weren't thinking about landfills and weren't thinking about turtles and weren't thinking about the environment. And even to this day, they kind of roll their eyes and go, you know, bigger fish to fry. Um, But this is a big problem. And I think being over here in Hawaii, is I know, has opened my eyes more than it's ever been open about the environment because it's such a pristine environment and it could be even more pristine if all of us, all of us on this island would do our part to not only um, take care of our own consumerism, but for those who don't get the message to pick up after or help um, clean up a little bit or volunteer to, um, you know, clean up the beach, et cetera. I think that that would go a long way. Yeah, I agree with that. I, um, you know, a friend of mine used the word fragile the other day and I was like, you know, that's can relate to our environment. That's an interesting word. I don't really hear a lot sometimes unless it's on a sticker on a box that the post office is sending, but fragile. I feel like that is the state of our environment. Um, you know, being a boat captain, I see on a daily basis the condition of our coral reefs, especially, and they are truly in a fragile state. And again, we can be kind of Debbie Downers and like, oh my gosh, the world's coming to an end. But again, that's not what this podcast is about. It's about shedding light that there's hopeful solutions yeah, to the people, problems. And people making a difference. Yeah, and people are making a difference. And I think it's really cool because in conclusion with my interview with Maddie, uh, she mentioned a few things that I just want to reiterate in our our talk is that we, I think there's going to be a lot of Big Island folks listening to this podcast. And for you guys who are first time to the podcast, welcome, by the way, and we hope you listen to our last 21 episodes. <laughs> but my dad alluded to earlier about the sex trafficking. And so, you know, not only are we shedding light on solutions to the issues of plastic, but we're trying to shed light on just issues in the world in general. And we're drawing your attention to cool people who have developed businesses or products or nonprofits that are helping provide the solutions and educate people on how we can contribute to not being the problem. So anyways, that's kind of the whole idea of the Talking Story podcast. So we really hope that if you are a first time listener, that you can join us, be part of our community, be part of our tribe. And part of that is finding us on social media. Um, That way we can have conversations about uh, what is stirring in our hearts. But going back to, again, Maddie May in the end of our interview, She talked about, one, she does field trips. So I think of anyone who is a teacher out there, I have a lot of teacher friends that I will be sending Mm -hmm. this podcast to, (laughs) to go, hey, do you guys know about this gal, Maddie May, Upcycle Hawaii, and maybe you guys take your kids there because I think it's really important that we raise up this younger generation to be aware of these needs and to what I was saying I wish it would have happened in the 50s and the 60s and 70s and I I don't really think it did but if it can happen now in the in the 2020s and parenting is a huge part of our solution yeah and Maddie even said you know when it came to plastic she she made she said something that was pretty profound a lot of things profound but one one thing that hit me was she said plastics have only been around for about 60 years and she said it may take the next 60 years to fix that problem, but she's very optimistic. And, and I thought, 
that actually hit me because, you know, I want the problem to be fixed up by 2021, and it's not. But maybe in the next 60 years, through the training of the next generation and the next generation, maybe 60 years from now, those kids will be going, you know, this, they, they won't even think of this as a problem because it isn't, you know. I, you know, it can be hopeful. Yeah, I think so. And then I think it's cool because when I was there and she was walking me through um, kind of her system and how the plastic comes in, how she has to manually tear the plastic in because order to get it. Because there's not a machine for her anyways. Right, not yet, not yet. <laughs> yeah. Yet was the key word. Um, but I think even as volunteers, I'm like, okay, if people are just kind of like, you know, I could put some time into helping what she's doing. I really saw a need for just coming in and one, you could build a community and just tearing plastic together, uh-huh. have conversation, build community, <laughs> find a belonging. And I think that would be a really cool thing that we could come in and do for her. And of course, I really love the fact that she makes these beautiful uh, pouches, bags, whatever you want to call them, but we're going to be launching her line on moimoimarket.com. So we really hope our listeners would take a look online and support any of the businesses that are selling her products. And she mentioned some of those businesses in our interview. So um, really, you guys, we appreciate you listening. We really appreciate you being a part of the community. And we've been seeing the fact that you guys are sharing what you're listening and what's inspiring about these podcasts with your people of influence. So we appreciate the shout outs that you guys are giving and the reviews that you've been submitting. Uh, You can check out her product, Moi Moi Market, just for you listeners who are first time and have not heard about Moi Moi Market. um, There's a link in the show notes, but if you're not a show notes person, you can just go on to Moi Moi Market, which is spelled M O I M oimarket.com and then as always my dad and I would love to connect with you on social media so dad what's your Instagram it is (laughs) (laughs) I knew this was gonna happen I hope you guys are enjoying this right now you can tell how much he is uh, on the Instagram what is it Kelsey again I want to see if you know (laughs) Wallace ZRS and that's his Instagram I am capped or stands for Captain Kelsey Hawaii. But again, really, you can connect with us on The Talking Story Podcast, which is on Instagram. So we have been finding more and more people uh, discovering us, and we're just building a community there. So uh, have a great Monday. Have a great week, you guys. And may you be solutions to the problems which are in this world today. Thanks for joining us today on the Talking Story Podcast. We hope you feel encouraged and inspired. Be sure to visit our show notes for more information and find us on social media at the Talking Story Podcast. Your hosts, Bob and Kelsey, want to hear from you. Be sure to subscribe to this podcast and leave a review. Oh, and big mahalo to our sponsor of today's podcast, Moi Moi Market, a one-stop shop to purchase products with purpose. We truly believe you have it in you to change the world too and to make an amazing difference in the lives of others.